Thursday, and hello. Howdy. My name is Justin. Hey, I'm Chris. We forget to do that every... We do it one every five episodes. One every five or six episodes, but we are the Bible buffoons. If you are new, welcome to listening to us. We introduce ourselves. A lot of you probably know us uh, or have listened a bunch, and so you kind of know who we are, but just so you can get a name with the voice. Mm-hmm. Justin's is, is nice and, and rich, and mine is too high for my body. No, mine's really nasally. Yeah? Your mom, uh, uh, um, not your mom, Katie's mom, your wife, your yeah. mother-in-law, Yeah, they were at the house this weekend. We were in the backyard with your family. And your mom goes, where are you from? Your mom, <laughs> Katie's mom goes, where are you from? And I was like, um, I'm from Middle Tennessee, born and raised, grew up in Middle Tennessee, been here eight years. She goes, uh-uh. She's like, you don't have a Southern accent. You kind of don't. And I was like, well, my mom is from upstate New York. Maybe that rubbed off. But she has lived in the South. I, I am 30, about to be 30. So like she's lived in the South like 38, nine years. Yeah. But she's still got that accent, though. She does. And when she talks to her sisters and her brothers, it's a whole different thing. It comes right back. You yeah. can tell, like, if she had talked to her sister and then talked to me right afterwards, <laughs> I, I was like, you just talk to your sisters. It just gets that northerny accent. You, you got that. You got that delicate mix of, of New York of, and of, Springfield, Tennessee. Of <laughs> upstate Albany, Troy, New York. Yeah. And. Middle Tennessee. Some good hardworking folks up there. It's crazy. I, I've only been up there a handful of times. I mean, really not since I was a, like four or five years old, six yeah. years old. But I remember going at that age, and we took a train. No, you didn't. From Atlanta, I, I believe it was Atlanta, all the way up to New York. That's got to be like a 15-hour train ride. That's more than that. We had our own <laughs> room with our own like beds in you it. You did a little napping in there? Yeah. All right. Um, I remember playing goldfish with my mom a lot, but what, what else are you going to do? This is pre, <laughs> pre the technology. You, you had no iPads. We didn't have no iPads in that. Come on. We just had to play goldfish yeah. and cards and whatnots. Um, but I remember going up there being like, oh, we're going to New York. <laughs> and we get upstate New York. I was like, this looks like Lebanon. Like, <laughs> this, this looks, looks like, like Alabama. This looks like middle Tennessee. Just way colder. Yeah. We went, it wasn't cold, but like they had like a farm. I was like, there's a, there's, we went fishing and I was like, I thought New York was like, which is crazy that like what we think about New York is just New York City, and yeah. it's like the it's like a little bitty island. It, it's literally an island. It's a little <laughs> bitty bitty island, and the rest of New York is not like that. Yeah, but our heads go to little bitty island, massive buildings, yeah, twin towers, all this stuff, and it's like eh, most of New York is not like that. You got lots and lots of people focused in these areas, but there's lots and lots of land outside of that. There's tons. Yeah. So, anyways, I, my voice. I'm the nasally. So I also had another. I, I don't think this is. A, I don't know if this is a compliment or not. Oh, it may be. If you, if you don't know, <laughs> maybe it is for podcasting and radio and TV. Who knows? This may be a compliment. Okay. I had a, uh, um, I had a teacher, Coach Brown, Greg Brown, end up coaching basketball under Pat Summit. Oh, awesome. Then I think he went to UCF or FAU. He ended up coaching there. there. And then he ended up coaching at Lipscomb, girls coach at Lipscomb for a while. And so we were up there at our camp impact. That's at Lipscomb university in Nashville. 
And I knew he was the coach, and I saw him walking. And I went, Coach Brown. And he turned around and goes, Justin Peach, I knew it was you before I saw you. And I was like, <laughs> I haven't spoken to this man in, I don't know, 12 years? Yeah. And I was like, you knew me by my voice from when you were my teacher in like ninth grade, eighth grade. Your voice is buried deep in his psyche for some reason. And again, is that a compliment or is it? I was a, I was a good student. You made an impression. It wasn't like, oh, Justin, maybe he just, but maybe he thinks that when he hears my voice. Yeah. Coach Greg Brown, if you ever hear this, I still remember that. And that was, <laughs> and that was probably seven years ago, eight years ago, maybe. So I don't know. This is the voice I have. Voices are voices are funny. Sounds are funny. Smells are funny. You can kind of like take you back. To Touch a, is funny. Hearing is funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like the funny, senses. Funny what will like trigger a memory. You know, smells mm-hmm. are big. Yeah, like smelling something, like uh, uh, walking in a store and then someone has a perfume on and you're like, "That's grandma." Yeah. Or oh, there was a girl in high school that I dated that had that smell. Like takes you right back hey that's why i i still don't like cucumber to this day it's because in my form in our formative years that was the thing girls wore that uh cucumber melon cucumber melon bath and body works lotion body spray all that stuff i'm like that's not food that's just what a girl smells like (laughs) mine's kind of the same way i for a brief stint worked at abercrombie and fitch of course you did and i bet you can fold a shirt like nobody else well i also worked at I also worked at The Gap. They were a little more meticulous about how you fold. Yeah. Abercrombie was like, fold it, but kind of make it look messy. Look a little messy. That's what they wanted. And I was like, okay. But the smell, like Abercrombie cologne perfume was just, it was a 10 out of 10 in that store. I'm I'm pretty sure they pumped it through. Everyone wore it. I I think it was someone's job to walk around just (laughs) just like spraying everywhere. That and the music was so daggum loud why was the music so loud i would leave that place with a headache i had to work there like five hours on six hours on a sunday and i'd be like this is miserable (laughs) little earplugs then they made you wear the clothes which were super expensive but you and you got like we're gonna give you a three percent discount i'm like (laughs) that's not helping that's nothing so then like my whole paycheck went for me buying like abercrombie shirts it was a pretty good little racket they had going there so this is weird but do you know what their like tactic was and they end up telling us this no i'm putting i mean i don't think they already have good publicity so it doesn't matter is it still are they still around i think so okay i have no clue i didn't know if people still wanted to look like that but they would tell people as workers hint how i got this job is they would say girls if you see an attractive guy now again i don't know this is on me (laughs) but maybe like you get a bonus if you get more people to work and you're the one that kind of recruited them and guys if you see an attractive girl ask them if they want to work yeah so i'm there and so this attractive girl comes over and it's like hey have you ever thought working here i was like "Uh, yes yes when can i (laughs) I have thought about that yes i have thank you i do need a job right now i'm really looking for that three percent discount (laughs) (laughs) uh and then i started working for uh, i mean it, it, it couldn't have been more than a semester yeah uh, is that Rivergate Mall? I had to drive pretty yeah, far away I, to get to it. There's no one close to us. Working, working retail clothes is is a tough, tough gig. Maybe we will talk one day about our many jobs. Oh man, I have a list. So do I. I feel like you're the only other person I know who has such a varied and diverse employment history. <laughs> I mean, from the Chamber of Commerce in Nashville to Rhino lining trucks mm. 
to landscaping to uh, uh, um, lifeguarding and teaching swim lessons to three-year-olds like 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. There you go. That's a bad call. Why would they put <laughs> me in charge of that? To everywhere. I mean, just everywhere. And all the other little places. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe one, we'll, one day we'll do a full accounting. We have a... a um, a conference that's going to happen this Friday. So listen to this. Sorry, but work as worship. We could do a work as worship and then talk <laughs> about all of our many jobs uh, in that. Anyways, um, again, if you're new to the podcast, we kind of do this. We kind of ramble about our lives for a, f- a few, a little bit of many a chat. Yes. Have a little chat, uh, and then we kind of get into a topic. Um, with that, back to our chat. T-ball season is over. I know you guys are wondering. Yes. Last Saturday was our last T-ball game. Mm. It was great. A lot of fun. Awesome kids. Awesome Made parents. Friends. Met some new friends. Yeah, yeah. So we um, first first year of T-ball. In the books. In the books. Um, and coaching. And thank you for coaching. And mm. all the dads that were there. Like We had a full staff. They all like gave me like, good job, coach. I'm like, there's nine of us out here. Like I'm just one of nine. Like I'm the one that gets the emails, but other than that, I really didn't do much. So Jude's been doing this thing. He uh, will ask us when, when am I going to play T-ball again? So and Jack, Ju- yeah. and Jude, Jude's a, a, a little older uh, than a lot of the kids. And so we tell him, you know, that was probably your one year to play T-ball. Now you're going to play baseball. You're going to play, you know, a different kind and tears. He, really? he, he is having a tough time dealing with the fact that he's never going to play t-ball again and i'm like i don't think you're quite getting it you're, you're going to go to the same part yeah it's going to be same very uniforms, similar same all that stuff i'm just going to throw you the ball this time yeah, it's just and then, a, you're hit. and then if you don't we're probably going to pull a t out and then you get to t- play t-ball again <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're trying to decide if we're going to do that for jack because yeah. he he will be we can bump him up right um so i don't know what we're going to do about fall ball spring ball we're trying to figure a lot of stuff out but it was a good time it was a good time he still likes to throw outside we still get the glove out every now and then and throw so it's all good indeed um well hey hit us with the jingle it's time for a bible buffoon's global update hey we got one more country one that i don't think we expected to get no not at all you texted me Sunday morning and said, we got another country, but you couldn't tell me which one. We got another country. I don't know what it is. On our website, we use, shout out, we use Captivate. Great website. Captivate.fm. They make this really easy. We have to do all the sound engineering, but then we put it to them and they put it out to Spotify and to Google and to Overcast, Overdrive, Apple, Amazon. Amazon. They put it out to all that stuff. So they do a really good job. And like their analytics, we can see what country, how many states and all this stuff. But it, it doesn't put it in. It doesn't do it in any sort of order that's helpful. Well, it, it, it does it with how many listens that they listen to. Right. So, so we, the U.S. is first every time. Yeah. And then we have to go back to like page five and six and look yeah. down and go, oh, do we have that one? Thankfully, I do have a spreadsheet that we do look at. That you do look at. <laughs> that, that I look at. You also have access to it. It's yeah. on the Google Drive that we share. Um, so you say. Yeah. So I come through it and we have Iran. 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 We're not sure how it's how you pronounce it. I'm well, guessing Iran. Yeah, but we're from Alabama. So we would say Iran. Iran. The difference between Iraq and Iran. <laughs> Is that Toby Keith? I have no 
I, I, I would assume. It sounds like Toby I would D. assume. I would put money on that. Yeah. If not, I, I bet you he has a song like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have listener in Iran. Crazy. Yeah. That's 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 the one that I would have put maybe towards the last that yeah. we would ever get a listener to. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we were chatting beforehand, didn't know really what to say about it. Like, yeah. hey, we got that. We know that there are some Christians, but a very small probably population. Definitely going to be a minority there. Very minority. But Chris brought up a great deal um, that said, hey, if, if you are the listener, we would love to know your story. Yes. Um, if you're allowed to <laughs> email us. If there's a the, way for you to get in If touch there's a way that. to get, we are thebiblebuffoons at gmail.com. If you can email us um, or on our Instagram, Bible buffoons, um, hit us up with a little DM, a way that we can communicate. We want to know your story, yeah. how you found us, why are you listening? If you are a Christian, you may not be. Yeah. Um, but um, welcome. Welcome. We just, we just want to know your story. That's pretty cool Yeah. Uh, for that. So one more in the books. Uh, that's pretty neat. Um, and that actually kind of gets me like excited. Like, hey, we're reaching out to Iran for people to listen. Like, cool. Yeah, man. One person's blessed over there by this. Awesome. We we are just uh, two buffoons. guys who decided to start recording some of our conversations and uh, don't really have a skill set, you know, that, that... We're both ministers. It's just cool to see what yeah. how God is kind of moving this thing around and hopefully that uh, people are being blessed and encouraged and... Uh, maybe get a little bit of Bible chat in their day. and uh, Absolutely. It's just our and we get some people from here at church that we've known for a long time that go, hey, I just started listening. Yeah. Um, shout out to Kevin Kilpatrick um, here at church. He's like, hey, man, I've been going through them. And, he, and you have yeah, been, He has Kevin. been going through them. You've been, from episode one, he He's just making keeps his going. Way. So we yeah. can see like what episodes are listened to each day. Which that's, I appreciate the commitment there. Sometimes when I jump into a podcast. I will jump I'm, in the last maybe one or two. Yeah. And then we'll start there. He I went from one that. on. So. And I told him, I said, some of those aren't one, very good. <laughs> one to about 15, 20 is kind of like, okay. Yeah. But after about 15 or so, I think we, we got we our We kind of came into our own a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and some of those topics there. Um, so last week we did, uh, what do we do? If, we, we finished up Ephesians, Ephesians 3. 3. A few weeks before that, we did Romans 12. And that was a three-parter. A three-parter. We did a two-parter, right, on Ephesians yep. 3. Uh, this time we're not going to hit a chapter, yeah. But we're going to hit uh, um, a a topic, yeah, more like an idea a f- within a chapter. A few verses um, in First Peter. Mm-hmm. So First Peter three, um, at about what fourteen, fifteen ish. Yeah, yeah. Is thirteen, little, thirteen through seventeen ish kind of situation is where we're going to be starting um, uh, with that. But you have a little. Uh, um, you know, we like to give you a little background scenarios, where the book come from, who wrote it, who mm-hmm. is it to, what's kind of going on in that area, just to give you a brief history lesson, if you will, on, sure. on where this is coming from. Yeah, so uh, First Peter is obviously written by Peter. He self-identifies sort of in the very uh, beginning of the book. Uh, and it's most likely that this book was written in the late 60s AD, so around 30, 30-ish years after the life and death of Jesus. And the timing there is 
crucial to kind of understand what's going on here because he's writing this to he, he lists uh who the recipients of of this letter are going to be and it's all these churches in the roman territory but kind of up in these northern parts and he calls them dispersed and so like what we're talking about here is these early days of the persecution of christians in mm -hmm. rome under the emperor nero yeah and persecution suffering all that stuff that is the tone of this whole book now briefly describe persecution for some okay. people because that's a churchy word yeah of we don't hear that word outside of church a lot and yeah. especially when we hear that word kind of outside of biblical narrative right because we face it now and we kind of struggle with what does that look like now which that, that may be a whole other podcast but um in this context what what would they have faced yeah so uh persecution <laughs> has taken lots of different forms and continues to take lots of different mm -hmm. forms uh depending on the context you know like here in america our persecution could be more cultural um yeah. in that uh we don't really belong in certain cultural places. shunning yeah like we're sort of looked down upon because of the beliefs that we hold uh financial persecution you know losing business not being yeah. able to get involved in certain things because of your christianity yeah um but in other parts of the world even now yeah. we're talking about physical criminal persecution where people are being uh, arrested, beaten, killed uh, for their faith in Christ. And what's interesting about what was going on in Rome, it's sort of all the above, yeah. <laughs> right? So uh, they were definitely social outcasts uh, in that uh, mixed in with Roman politics and culture is this uh, religious idea you know the worshiping of gods and idols that was a part of the culture and so a rejection of those ideas was to necessarily put yourself outside of the social norms of the day but then with under nero we're definitely talking about some heavy physical criminal persecution where christians were being killed and and pretty Stoned shocking and horrendous and, ways yeah. uh thrown thrown in the pits with wild animals you know killed for show uh, in the gladiator arenas, stuff like that. And so where you had this church in Rome, which probably still exists, there, there's some research that suggests that Peter spent his last years uh, ministering to what was left of the church in Rome. But the church in Rome had also been dispersed. So all these people, because of the persecution, are being kind of pushed to different areas. And so that's the context of this letter. And Peter's writing to encourage them to hold on to their faith in the in the midst of this suffering and to do these remarkable things even as they're being persecuted yeah good 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 that's a little setup yeah that's a that's a great setup uh, um and so that kind of gives us the framework of this lens of like persecution and just encouraging them oh and one thing that i i found that i'd never heard before that i thought was kind of interesting is like first peter is the new testament version of the book of job so oh. it's all about uh, remaining true, remaining faithful uh, in in the face of great Trials. troubles. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So I thought that was a neat link there between uh, Job and the Old Testament and First Peter. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's jump into our topic. So our topic is not persecution. Right. But it's the it's the frame in which. Yeah. This, absolutely. Uh, you can't understand what this is about if you don't have that. 
So let's go to 1 Peter 3, and we'll start at 13. This is now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good. Zealous, oh, I just, I did not. There we go. I did not read that like a question. <laughs> zealous for what now, is good. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, uh, than for doing evil. Ending out in 17. That's 13 to 17. So in this, we have, hey, you were going to be persecuted. Yeah. Do it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, um Suffering for Christ is okay. And we hear this over and over in the New Testament. Suffering for Christ is, is, is okay to do. But what we want to look at here is towards the middle part of 15. Uh, it says, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Mm. So looking at this idea of being prepared to make a defense right, for anyone that asks you about your hope, being prepared to give a reason, to give an account um, on why do you follow Jesus. Right. And um, this is something that we talk about with our teens. Yeah. Uh, and I would say our church, some, I, I don't know if we push this heavy on a Sunday morning pulpit mm. uh, of this idea, but this broader theme, which we get. So the word defense, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is what it's, uh, apologia yeah. or apologia. I'm not exactly sure, sure if that's a hard G or a soft G. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look up the phonetics on uh, it. Um, and so you may know this, if you are in uh, the Christian spectrum realm, if you're listening to this, we have the word um, apologetics. Right. And which is a term that I think gets popular and goes back and forth, just kind of in the mainstream of this. But it's this idea to have a defense, um, be prepared, almost like in a court setting. Yeah, no, the, the word there. Yeah. is is directly related to a legal defense like as mm-hmm. in a trial like if you were in a trial you're going to come with all of your facts and all mm-hmm. of your everything to be like well here's my defense for this right and so he's saying you need to be prepared for a defense mm. um and so in modern day apologetics um what what they kind of do is look at the historical record of scripture, mm-hmm. right? So they kind of tie in the historical record of scripture, um, the resurrection and the Old Testament prophecies, kind of looking at those. Um, evidence of miracles right. is, is really kind of big one, kind of looking at that. And then also like the arche- archaeological data, mm-hmm. of like what has been found from that time that can support. Yeah. And basically it's looking at evidence to support our Christian claims. Right. If, 
if we claim that there was a flood, is there any evidence for it? Right. Is there a claim that Jesus rode from the dead? Is there a claim that there was even a Jesus? Right. Is there a claim in all of these things? Is there any historical documents like the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, any like archaeological mm -hmm. evidence and things that we can find to say, look, it it points yes to it. Right. Um, the hard thing is we don't have it all. Yeah. And you could point one or two things out and say yes and say no. There is multiple people that have written about this way back when, and we have all those records that kind of support this and that, and we see these things. But we don't have enough data to say everything that is listed in the Bible we can go back to and claim. Right. And so that's where it gets kind of hard. Yeah. And um, we can do some, we can't do everything. And there's a lot of great apologetics out there. Um, apologist. There you go. Apologist. Sure. Um, there was one, uh, there's one named Sean, Sean McDowell. He's very, um, what did I say his dad? I'm going to be in trouble. I don't know what his dad's name is. I said Josh McDowell. Josh or James? Josh. He said Josh. Yeah. Um, he has written like 400 books on this. Yeah. And Sean's his son. He's a professor and teaches this, but he is big on YouTube. He's big on Twitter. He has a lot of cool stuff out there. Um, his last video, he just went to a Christian high school and played an atheist and tried to like help them uh, strengthen their like apologetic defense right. for God's word. And so like our Christian, so he actually spoke to like a conference we were at um, for our teens. Um, and this is something that teens really don't get a lot of, right? Like we're trying to kind of help them in this. Um, but one of the questions that I wanted to bring up, because I, I think this is a great, this is a great topic, is what is the role of a modern day apologist? Mm. As a modern day Christian, as an everyday, so, you know, someone that doesn't work for a university, doesn't teach this, or maybe that is not a minister, how much should we be digging into the data, the archaeological findings and all these things to support it. Yeah. Does that have place for us today? Yeah. Um, so I think it does for okay. sure. Um, I have a three part answer to your one part question. We do not have to discuss all these, but it's okay. just three things that popped into my head. Uh, and, and first I would, I would say that it's important to acknowledge at the outset that facts and data and archaeological digs and all that stuff is never going to take the place of faith and the act and movement of the Holy Spirit. Which is tough. Right. Because faith is believing in something that you can't see Correct. or believing in. And especially the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. you can't put a finger on it. Yeah. So what is going to move the heart of people towards God is an act of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and acknowledgement in faith that Jesus is Lord. Um, I don't think that any, any amount of evidence is going to move someone's heart um, who isn't, isn't ready, isn't prepared uh, to follow Jesus. But that being said, so that's sort of my, my qualifying. Well, there's a, I, I have one thing, sorry. Sure. There's a speaker named David Skidmore. He's a youth minister up in Middle Tennessee. He speaks all around. 
Um, at the end of every one of his lessons that he gives, especially when he gives it to larger crowds and big conferences and camps and stuff like that, um, what he always says that it ties in what you say is, um, my only job is to place the word of God and these messages mm. on your heart. Right. So when your heart breaks, and it will, <laughs> it's the first thing that falls in. Yeah. And it's like, he's not saying it's my job to convince you. It's right. my job to lay these on your heart because it's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. to change someone's heart, to be ready to receive and to be open to hear. And you hope that there's been enough people to speak truth into them that when their heart breaks, mm. they, they hear and get the word of God. Yeah, that's good, man. Uh, uh, so that, that being said, I think that one of the natural barriers to people exploring the Christian faith or believing in some of this stuff is that it sounds bonkers. Like the, and you know, the Bible <laughs> talks about that, that, yeah. that the gospel is, is foolishness to people who think that they're wise. And, uh, so there's definitely some value in saying these claims are pretty wild, but we do have a ton of evidence mm. that this stuff that took place in the Bible, in as much as we can point to anything that happened in the ancient Near East, we've got evidence of these things happening. And I think that breaking down some of those barriers can be important steps in people's journey yeah. towards faith because you know, if there was none of that, if it was simply, uh, you got to kind of just believe this stuff, even though there's tons of evidence pointing that it didn't happen, that would be a very different conversation. Um, so I think that I'm, I'm appreciative of the people who've done that work yeah, um, and can equip, you know, people like us, people that are on the ground kind of working in ministry to have some answers, some real legitimate scientific proven mm. answers to skeptical people who are well-meaning in their exploration of faith, but just have trouble trying to get their arms around, you know, how is this really true? Um, so definitely appreciative of that. And then the third thing is, uh, I think apologetics, especially in the context of this first Peter three passage that we're looking at here can take a lot of different forms. Mm -hmm. I think you've got one end of the spectrum where it's, I'm going to do my research and be ready to give you some scientific hard data that these things happen. But then there's another one where my life itself oh, yeah. is evidence is my apologetic for Jesus and his reality, because the way that I behave and the way that I deal with people and the way that I go about my business is fundamentally different than the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, which, which I think that's where we're gonna kind of land yeah. and talk a bit on right there. Um, I think most people maybe think of having this apologetic, especially in, in this context when, when we mean the word defense and we kind of think about coming ready, it almost means like, hey, I have to be a good debater. Mm. I gotta know all of these facts, I gotta know all these things, so when they come at me and say, well, this didn't have, well, no, actually there's proof of here and here yeah. and look what was found and, you know, and kind of go through. Um, and, and for some people that, that is a part, but some I, people are really good at that. And for some people, they put themselves in the situations where they need to do that. Like right. they put themselves out and say, I'm going to be on the forefront of this. Mm -hmm. You're going to invite me to your conference and you're going to, um, test me right. and test my knowledge. And I am ready to come ready to fight for this. Almost like I am coming to be 
a um, a great debater. Like yeah. I can debate you, a lawyer for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, but for the everyday person, mm-hmm. one we don't have that knowledge. Yeah. Two, I don't know. Or we don't have it. We don't. We don't uh, um, seek it out. Mm-hmm. Which I think we need to do that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, just which which I think it'll also strengthen our faith. Mm-hmm. To go. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Oh, well, that's really cool. Um, well, and and just to jump in real quick. Yeah. I think that for me in my life, I've seen the style of apologetics that we've been talking about where it's really sort of data, historic based uh, information. That's been really great for me to build the faith that I already have. I don't know that it would have been important for me to have answers to all those questions to choose to follow Jesus. But having chosen to know that we've got some data that uh, is a booster to my faith. That is not your foundation. Right. And so the one thing that I was going to say, so the one thing missing, I think, about this whole deal of, well, I have all these facts and I'm ready to debate you and I'm, I'm, I'm a lawyer is it's missing something. Right. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's missing that kind of foundational faith. And so for us, um, my faith is built on Jesus mm-hmm. and that hope. And in that faith, and then this is just extra stuff to kind of strengthen it yeah. and to put some frameworks around it to you go, okay, peace. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to kind of help us out. And so I don't think that, and there's probably some people out there, there's probably some people with that brain where if you give him all, if you give people all this data, they're going to be like, well, then I'll believe. Right. Uh, that's probably slim and few, and you're probably not going to run into a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Um, Mainly what it deals with, I think, is your life. Right. And is your life a defense for what you believe and a defense for him? And it's even talked about here. Yes. Right? So it says, uh, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in that is in you. Now, let's just stop there. I, I just want to break this down a little bit. Okay. Uh, be prepared. Mm. So I, so one that says like, maybe you should do a little bit yeah. of research on this. And one thing that I tell our students, especially our seniors, um, especially now our new sixth graders coming up to the, to the youth ministry is right. you are, you are now in the ministry. And one of my goals, one of my goals in our student ministry is that we prepare you that you know what your foundation of your faith is. Mm. And it's not your grandmama, your mama, your daddy. It's not these things. Those things help. Sure. And those things help build you to where you are to form that you know, foundation of what you have. Uh, but you yourself have to be ready to say, here's what it is. Yeah. Here's why I believe. Right. Um, and being prepared for, for me means, can you take a look back at your life and can you say, Last month, I saw God work in my life this mm. way. Last year, five years ago, whatever it may be, yep. can you go back and say, I don't, I don't have all of this big data, but I have all the data that's in me right. and how I've seen God work. And so, you know, for some people, it's journaling and just ha- having a record of like, man, I prayed forever for this and look how God used this to his glory and he worked this situation out. That is being prepared. Right. Um, so if you can't, and I think I say this all the time as podcasts, I know I say it to our students and to our church. If you can't look back in the past year or two or three years or six months, and you can't list a few things where you've seen God actively work in your life, I don't know if you're putting yourself out there enough. 
to let God work in your life. You're living too much of a sheltered life. Being bold and living that out is a way um, to kind of have those prepared statements and examples to say, no, here's why I have hope. Yeah. You got to have your eyes open mm-hmm. um, to to see God moving and working in your life. And you know what? One of my favorite favorite mottos, one of my favorite life sayings is, "If if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready." <laughs> I saw that on the the Twitterverse like this week. Hey, folks, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. If you are waiting until somebody asks you why you have the hope that you have to prepare. You're too late. You yeah. have to, you have to be prepared. That's what that's what Scripture's telling us, and uh, so the the time is now to be reflecting on your life, to be reflecting yeah. on Scripture, and and to be able to to tell God's story in your life. You know, well, and not and not only to help share God's hope and love to other people, but also to strengthen yourself, mm-hmm. so you can look back and go, man, look how God and and. and and that gives you the boost, and that gives you the confidence, and that gives you the charge to go, hey, I'm going to keep going in this because look how God has worked, yeah. and I want to continue in this. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate Peter's perspective in this verse in particular because he has actually lived this out. Uh-huh. You back up to Acts. Yeah. Peter, there are five instances where Peter is called to give an apologia of for the hope that he has. And he gives these speeches, he gives these sermons five different times in Acts. So when he writes to these to these churches that are dispersed, he's not telling them to do something that he hasn't done. Mm. He's, he's, he's a, a well-weathered uh, uh, defense agent for, <laughs> yeah. uh, for Jesus. And I think that that kind of comes through in the text. He, he's saying, I've lived this out and uh, you gotta be ready. Yeah. Um. All right, so on this, it says, so be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, and I love that, yet, be prepared, <laughs> yet do it with gentleness and respect. Mm. Um, when we think about like a courtroom and a lawyer and a defense, a lot of times it's not done with gentleness and respect. Mm, they yeah. have a one-tracked mind of, I'm here to win this right. debate. I'm here to win this argument. At whatever cost. At whatever cost. Yeah. And I'm yeah. gonna bring on stuff and I'm gonna make you look silly yeah. by you know, asking you you know, some hard questions. And yeah, I'm gonna put you in a bad I'm spot. I'm gonna put you in a bad spot and well well, you know, so how you didn't know about all of these other things that are Yeah. And he says, Hey, you can do this, but the ultimate goal is not to prove all your knowledge mm. about all these things. Your right. ultimate goal is not really to win the debate because a lot of times we're not open-minded enough to say, hey, I've seen all this data and I'm gonna change. Again, it has to be a heart issue. Mm-hmm. The ultimate goal is you do this with respect and with love so that they see that and go, hey, they spoke to me on a real way. Right. They didn't talk down to me. Mm. They didn't put me to shame. They didn't make me feel bad. They were enthusiastic and nice about, Hey, this is why I believe. Yeah. And I hope that you believe this too. Yeah. I want you to believe this. I don't want to make you feel dumb. Mm. I want to make you feel the hope, the same hope that I have in Christ. Right. And so there's that part there, which I love that it says, you got to do it with gentleness and respect. Yeah. And that may be two or three meetings, right? That, that walking along somebody. Um, and again, 
I, I doubt that you're going to be in line at Subway and someone's going to ask you <laughs> and then you're going to be like, I got it. <laughs> Have you heard of, and then you just kind of go off all these things. Yeah. It, it's being gentle and respect because that's what we're called to be first. Yeah. I think, uh, I think often when we think about sharing faith or, you know, growing the church and all these different things, we look at it from a results oriented uh, mindset. Everything I think of faith, we have this yeah. big results oriented. Yeah. So if I'm approaching spiritual conversations with a results oriented mindset, I'm going to get out over my skis a little bit and, <laughs> and maybe, uh, push across the line of gentleness and respect because I think I've got to do this a certain way. This person has to believe. But I think often what we see in scripture is that the focus is on your faithfulness. This is how I'm telling you to do this. God is going to be the one to change hearts. And, and the spirit is the one who is going to turn people's hearts towards God. It's not your eloquence. It's not <laughs> your knowledge. It's not you getting it exactly right. Scripture tells you, be ready to offer a defense and do it with gentleness and respect. It doesn't matter how the person responds to you. They might spit in your face. Yeah. That's yeah. not your problem. Your, your job is faithfulness to, to do what you've been asked to do. God will do the rest. Well, and I think that we um, have this mentality, you're right, in a lot of church that it's all about um, putting a check in the wind category mm -hmm. of, well, I did it and I did it correctly. And, right. and you're right. God doesn't call that. When we talk about like, um, you know, spreading God's message and spreading God's word, we kind of have this idea like if I sit and have a Bible study or conversation with somebody and it doesn't end in them getting baptized, right. it doesn't end in them joining a church and, and giving their life, like, well, I failed. Right. Well, that one, that's, that's putting too much importance on you. Correct. <laughs> that like, well, you're the one to do it. No, again, you're the one to plant that seed. Mm. And maybe you're the 15th person this year to water yes. that seed. And then one day it's going to grow because of one thing someone else says. Yeah. Uh, um, your, your call is to be faithful. And, and for us in a church setting, I think a lot of people, when we talk about sharing your faith and getting out of your comfort zone and doing that, people go, well, what if I fail? Yeah. And he goes, okay, yeah. that's okay if you fail. God didn't say, do this and be successful. He says, do this. Right. He has the majority of the weight put on him already. Mm -hmm. Realize that. Yeah. Know that. He's calling you to take a few steps out of the boat, mm -hmm. to walk on that water a little bit, and you're going to sink. Yeah. And that's okay. Are you getting on a walking? Are you um, putting your life out there in that way? And, and, and for me, that takes kind of the burden off. If I go and talk with somebody, meet with somebody, and they're like, okay, thank you. I'm, I'm not like, man, if I could have just said those, oh, if I would have remembered that verse, yeah. if I would have done this. No, I was faithful to the calling that God gave to do that. Yeah. Um, and to know how that may shape out down the road. Yeah. I love the, uh, the agricultural tie-in there. It's like, you know, you can be the best farmer in the world, but you, you're not going to make that seed sprout out of the ground. That is still a miracle that yeah, that happens. Yeah. That is God moving and working. Um, it's the same way with what we do. And, and I don't, I don't know if this, this plays out to be the case in, in everyone's life. Um, but I think it's just often that we don't necessarily get to see the fruit of no. anything that we do. And God doesn't promise that, 
every interaction that we have is going to turn out like we think it should. Mm -hmm. But God sees all that has happened and all that will happen. And he, he is uh, moving and working beyond our interactions. You know what I'm oh, saying? Absolutely. We, we are just a small yeah. portion, a small bit in someone's life. And again, maybe we're the one watering it for the 15th time. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's the 16th time that they kind of like, okay, I get it. Right. And that right person comes in. Um, and that doesn't mean that that 16th person did it right and you did no. it wrong. You played your part. You yes. played whatever you, role you were you called to play. You did your role. And, and again, that kind of goes on that pride aspect that yeah. we keep talking about of, well, I failed. I need to do this. Uh -huh. Well, I know all this data. I know all this stuff. I can put anyone in front of me and I, and I can persuade them to follow Jesus. Yeah. Is that the way it's supposed to go? Yeah, I don't think so. No, and it's, and it's not that. And I think that that can be where we get in trouble. That's where yeah. we start putting uh, too much pressure and importance on on celebrity mega pastors yeah. that they've got these magic words that yeah. that they can do it. I can't do it. So we're going to put our trust in them. Like, no, it's God. It's always been God. And it will always be God uh, that is calling men to himself, men and women. I, mean, I say men in the general. The, the people. <laughs> Peoples. Um yeah. Yeah. This is good. And just to play your role and, yeah. to, and to know your part and to, to humbly and gently and respectfully, you need to know your part in this yeah. to know I, I'm just here to serve God in whatever capacity that may be yeah. um, with that. All right. So it says with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Mm. So this, you know, here's saying like, this here says, live your life, mm. live your life for him. Yeah. That when they try to slander you, they're going to put to shame because looking at the bigger picture. Now it's not you putting them to shame, right? It's not you saying, well, did you see how much money I gave? <laughs> did you see how many people I fed last week? Do you see yeah. that I've been to Honduras 500 times? Do you see how many houses and orphanages and all these things? It's not you putting them to shame. It's just you living your life and them taking a step back going, well, wait a minute. Yeah. They may be doing something right. Yeah. Or, or at least they don't feel good about talking bad about you because yeah. you're living your life in such a way. Yeah. Where they see you. And for me, I think about this where it says it will put them to shame or when they try to slander you even out loud. And, f and for them, I think it was more out loud. Right. Uh, you know, I think it's more of them calling each other out yeah. and calling Christians out. Why are you doing this? And in a verbal out in public kind of area. But for most of us, that probably isn't going to happen either. It's probably going to be an internal yeah. people looking at you going, oh, are they this? Why yeah. are they? Or gossiping, talking in little, little back room conversations. Yeah. And here, I think the biggest defense, and you talked about it earlier, I think the biggest defense for our life in Christ is how you live your life in Christ. Right. Every day. Mm -hmm. And to be this joyful mm. Um, excited, hopeful person that when they see you, they don't see all the things you have and they don't see all the material things you have, but they see your heart and your spirit and your personality and these things that you kind of put out because you have this new life in Christ that they go, I want what they have. Yeah. Not the stuff, but I want that 
spirit. I, I want that enthusiasm mm. and that joy for life and that joy for others and that service heart and that loving heart and that gentle heart. And they see the things that go, man, I don't, I don't know if they're right or wrong, but I like what they're doing yeah. and I want to be a part of that. And I think that's kind of, you know, one of our biggest um, uh, um, advantages. I think that's one of our biggest tools mm -hmm. to giving a defense and to sharing the gospel. Yeah. So you stole my notes. Oh, Bobby. Uh, but it's interesting here. Uh, the, the verse says, be prepared to offer a defense for the hope yeah, that you have. It okay. says hope. Hope is an inward thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can really look at someone and tell if they have hope or not. But hope expressed mm -hmm. outwardly, it works itself out as joyfulness, yeah. as good deeds. As, and, and we can go back to you know, the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, that's right. right. So the hope you have is between you and God. Mm -hmm. Nobody can really see that. But that hope is planting these seeds that are going to produce Manifest love itself. and joy and peace and patience. <laughs> Basically, if you go back to 1 Peter 1, the, he, he's, he starts off with hope. He talks about the hope that you have in a new life. Mm. And that's what we're talking about. Yes. And so the question you have to ask yourself that I have to ask myself is, am I living my life in a way that is going to cause people to even ask me? What's up with you? Why right. are you the way that you are, right? And so, so there's there's this real to be transformed again. Just go yeah. back to Romans, back to Paul, right? This be whole book goes together, folks. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're not making this up, right? Right, of like be transformed by <laughs> yes. the renewing of your mind, and, and not of this world, and to be, you know, I think Paul even tells us that we're supposed to be aliens of right. this world, that we act and look and speak and love differently, that. Are, are you living in such a way where people have to ask you like, right, what is up with you? Why did you do this? Yeah. Why are you so kind? Why are you doing all these things? And you can say, cause I have a hope in Christ yep. and God loved me and I'm loving other people. And this is how I'm doing it today. And that's an apologetic. Yes. <laughs> that's, and that's exactly as an everyday Christian, as mm -hmm. an, as a, as an everyday person, that probably is the biggest way that you're going to have a defense. Agreed. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I love that hope. Yeah, that's really good. I'm glad you brought that up. And it's you you have an even better opportunity if you um, think about it in the context of this book. If this book is this book, this uh, letter <laughs> is written in the context of suffering and persecution. And so how odd would it have been to see these people who are living these joyful lives of service and serving one another and doing these good deeds when the government is literally trying to kill them. Our, our context is not that extreme, but like you can express this hope and this joy most fully when you're going through some tough stuff. So be aware of that. Like when things aren't going great, that's when you really have the opportunity to show that you're mm. living a different kind of life, yes. that your hope isn't in your bank account or in your health or in everything going the way that you planned it to go. Your hope is in Jesus. And if someone was to look at you when things were hitting the fan, right? And they're like, man, I would not be acting that way. Exactly. I would, I, I would have a different mindset. I would be acting and talking and doing things differently right. if I was in their shoes. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, they're not acting the way I think that I should act. Right. They're acting in a different way. And it's like, because I'm acting in the hope of Christ. Yeah, I got to know what's up with that. <laughs> yeah, and and just kind of live that out. And so, 
Um, man, there's a lot of good stuff about apologetics. And maybe one day we'll make this note. I wish we had like a producer here. We could say, make note Sam, of this. Sam, write this down. <laughs> yeah, write this down. This is going to be a future episode. Maybe one day we'll bring some of these apologetics stuff in the more historical data stuff of like, hey, these are just cool facts and figures that we have run across. Um, that again is not the foundation of your faith, the hope in Christ, but it is there to strengthen it and build upon that. Yeah. Um, for that. Um, all right. What is, what is your tweet? I know I asked you for you asked me. Oh no. You got big eyes. Sorry. Oh, no. What is, what is your tweet moment? Oh no. So far no one has tweeted our tweet moment, <sighs> but to wrap up this whole thing in one sentence or two, what, what would you say about our defense? Be prepared. <laughs> you sing twice on A little now. Lion King action. <laughs> or if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. There we go. There we go. I like it. Um, stay ready every day, sing the blessings of God mm. and how he's moving in your life and other people's lives. And um, that could be your defense. That's going to be the strength in you as well. Absolutely. In that. Well, hey, this was a fun one. Always. Always. Well, hey, guys. Um, review and subscribe and rate and all those things on all mm -hmm. the different levels mm -hmm. and all the different podcasts and all the whatnot you can do. You know what's up. Um, you guys want to do this. You guys listen to podcasts. <laughs> um, uh, give us a little shout out. We haven't had a rating on iTunes or a review on iTunes in like 25 episodes, <laughs> uh, which we're only at 39. So still got always, it's been a while. Uh, if, if you give us a shout out, if you, if you like hit us up, we'll make sure to mention it. Um, not that that matters, um, but we'll just say, Hey, you'll be you. famous by people in Iran. Yes. We'll know your name. Yes. That'd be cool. Well, hope you guys are blessed today. Um, hope you guys live today in the hope of Christ and can share that and how you're living. We'll see you next time. We'll see you guys. Peace. Bye.